bit of the geography and principles of pleasure, there's many, many, many factors that make pleasure in the body, right? And many of them are quite specific to each woman and to each woman's psychological state, sexual history, a relationship history, her mother's sexual history and relationship history. So there's many, many, many factors um, that are very, very different for each woman. And then there are some principles that apply to all of us. And so I'm going to talk about the principles to, that apply to all of us, knowing that you will have additional things going on and knowing that you will have certain psychological aspects that you will have to deal with. And um, also, uh, you know, very specific, only applicable to you practices. But there is a framework and there is a way of looking this, you know, at pleasure um, and how women experience pleasure in the body and what happens in certain aspects that I want to kind of go into. Um, so you have kind of a lay of the land simply because we have become so um, disconnected from the nature of pleasure in our bodies and become so heady and things have to make sense and um, you know whole systems now have to be created for women to even experience any kind of pleasure which is a, it, it, it's essentially a you know it's not that old a phenomenon now what we're talking about here is your relationship with your own pleasure. It's not necessarily uh, pleasure as it's given to you by a partner, man or a woman, simply because in the realm of that pleasure, there's an additional aspect that needs to be considered, which is trust, right? heart openness and trust. Um, and as you probably all have experienced at some point in a relationship, when there isn't trust or when you have a habitual through your childhood uh, motivation to have sex with men or women who you don't trust, um, the, the body does certain things, right? And so I don't want to deal with that at all. And uh, everybody has different thresholds, what is trustable, what isn't trustable. Uh, there's relational histories, there's all kinds of things. Often people have much more pleasure, you know, with totally strange people but it's a kind of a surface pleasure and they can have much deeper pleasure with people with they have a you know whole lot of trust established but that's also not always true so this is the the geography of a woman's pleasure with herself so to speak and in your own body which is how you start practicing so there's a few things um to consider the first one is how a woman's body is built specifically um, is for procreation. So based on the fact that we are born for procreation and that we're built for procreation, the natural seat of energy in the body is low. So in order to give birth, um, you know, conceive, uh, do the things that, you know, that you have to do in order to procreate, you have to have energy in the lower body. So naturally, when um, there's in computers <laughs> and, and all the other things that there are, 
a woman's energy tends to be in the hips, in the thighs, in the genitals. It's lower. When you look at indigenous tribes, you can tell, right? When you look at any indigenous tribe, you don't see women who are in their heads and their neck and shoulders are tight and their eyes are bugging out, right? You, you don't ever see that because um, that's not how a woman's body is built, just evolutionarily speaking. So in, in the physical body, this is where the energy sits, you know, in the ass. <laughs> in the lower body is where energy sits. So because energy sits in the lower body naturally, um, energy has to actually flow down there. So, and that's always the case, you know, when we talk about yogic sexuality, what we are talking about is how energy moves through the body, knowing how energy moves through the body, and then knowing how to direct that energy. So, in a woman's body, energy moves down, on the in-breath, which is what we did earlier, and technically it moves up the spine on the out-breath. Right? So it's an inhale this way, um, goes, if you go into, you know, into yogic teachings, it, go, it, it, you know, it does certain things to the chakras, it goes to the bottom here, it turns, and it goes back up the spine. That's considered a yogic breath. So um, in a woman, naturally the energy pulls down here and when it pulls down here naturally of course that opens the body i'm assuming some of you in this breath you we did this morning had the experience of the lower body becoming fuller and and juicier and more um you know activated so that's both energy and breath Because we are living the way we are living, um, we tend to have to go against the natural flow of our energy. So for most women, the act of having to do things, which is a masculine thing, right? Applying um, direction, focus, a plan, a motion, forward, uh, a schedule, a grid, is the masculine in all of us, so men and women alike. But so in a woman who has a feminine essence, meaning she's naturally embodied in the lower parts of her body and her energy tends to swirl, so to speak, instead of be linear, you know, up and down. In most women, there's a natural swirl of energy that when, when left to your own devices, you're not that linear, you're not that straightforward, you don't really um, plan that far ahead, and if you do, you usually break your plans. That's your feminine, right? Your masculine can keep the grid, like, you know, we both, we both have both, but we're talking pleasure, and pleasure is a feminine principle. So in the feminine, the, um, the necessity to do something means, and if you're sensitive, you can actually feel this, that you have to gather all your energy and you have to kind of squeeze it in and forward. So there's a distinct feeling if you, you know, just, just from getting up like that from the breathing, you have to go, okay, okay, okay. And it, it kind of takes a tightening and then you kind of, you know, you gather some momentum. You know what I'm talking about? So that particular action causes stress in the body. It causes tension in the body. 
So if you do this over and over and over and over, you habitually in your body, in your physical body, develop the habit of tightening, tensing, and the forward motion. So what that means, instead of the spirally kind of undulating, you know, wide motion that is our native motion, the energy moves up and it pulls here. Mm. It gets stuck here, right? Mm -hmm. And you all know that. It's that feeling like here and the tenseness and the jaw and the neck and the shoulders. And that's what you feel most of the time, right? Most women have to do things all the time just to relax this. And some of us do better than others, but it, we all have that. Sitting on a computer doing things does that to us. So that particular tension up here is the energy rising and getting stuck because most of us don't know how to circulate properly. And we also don't do the things that would counteract this, which is uh, non-linear, um, wild, chaotic, free motion. Right? Most women I know, when they're done with a day of masculine activity, go to a yoga class, which is more structured, linear motion. Very few women actually just dance or roll around in the mud or you know whatever you could do that has no structure to it. So there's a, there's a huge perpetuation of linear up and down tightness, tension, and stuckness that happens in the physical body. Now, the next thing that of course happens is the nervous system now gets trained for that. So your habitual nervous system action is one of tightening, clenching, and closing, and forward moving. So not only does your physical body, meaning all the you know, muscles and ligaments, but it's also your nervous system now has a certain kind of a contraction and push to it. You can usually tell in your solar plexus, right? So this, this here is your solar plexus. When you push in there, how much of a push comes back? That's how you can tell how much habitual nervous system push you have. There's other things too, but if, if this hurts or if you have a hard time pressing way in there, that's your solar plexus having a push. And so when we do this breathing, what we're doing is we're trying to relax all the areas that habitually tighten, which is, you know, your brain thinking, 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 clench, 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 eyes clenched, mouth clenched, tongue, you know, like rigid in the mouth, uh, neck clenched, shoulders clenched, contraction over the heart. You know, it used to be that heart attacks and that tightness over the heart was like a man's domain. That's no longer true. Uh, the solar plexus, tightness in the belly, clenched vaginal area, clenched um, you know, butt and, and anus. So, so that tension that comes in the core of the body, this being the core of the body here, becomes habitual. And then we, I don't want to talk about that, I just want to talk about the more yogic aspects, but then of course if you've had trauma, sexual or physical trauma, uh, traumatic upbringing, you already have that in place, right? And you're just building on that and you have all kinds of fight or flight and traumatic responses and leaving of your body. Uh, but even if you have no trauma whatsoever, the habitual 
clench around the doing, thinking, doing, thinking, doing, emails, thinking, doing, phone, thinking, emails, doing, right, and so on and so on, causes a narrowing and um, you know tensing off both the physical body and the nervous system, and of course it also um, appears very apparently in the way you speak, for instance, right, in the way you breathe or don't breathe. It um, appears emotionally. So you've all been around people that just talk like this, and it's all very, very, very pressured, and you know everything has to happen right away, and then and it's all up here in the head, and then right. It's that kind of a thing. You can always hear when a woman is really in her head because she's actually not breathing, and all the energy is up here. Whew, right. We've all been there, including myself, and. And it's what we habitually do. And as we kind of grow a little bit through these, we hate women who do that shit, forgetting that we just did that six months ago. Right? But um, that, that's just how it goes. So, so that particular tensing upward motion, tightness, non-breath is the enemy of pleasure. Because you can't actually feel pleasure when you are that contracted, when the energy isn't there, when there's, you know, when you're when you're sitting in a chair all day and you are up here and in your head, there's just nothing happening here. And so you can culturally see, um, you know, how many women have um, issues in their in their actual sexual organs. And I'm not only talking cancerous issues, but that's, you know, also much bigger than it's ever been. But just dryness and um, there is some new disorder I just heard about from a from a friend of mine who's a gynecologist, where women's genitals actually shut and and fuse and close, um, which is a you know it's a brand new thing, right? So so that kind of tightness and drying up is you know and then of course we have hormonal things that happen with age, but that are happening earlier and earlier and earlier for people because they don't run energy. Now, running energy is not a very, um, you know, it feels very uh, kind of intangible, but it's actually not because, you know, people always go, well, I don't know what you mean by running energy. Well, breath in, breath out is about as concrete and tangible as you can get, right? So breathing down the front of the body like we did and then you don't have to, for, for this particular pra practice, we're not going further than that, but technically you would then breathe the energy up the spine, the breath up the spine. You know, once, once the breath is up here, you know, back in and back out, and you literally, like we did, you know, put your hands on the belly, push the belly out to begin with. Later, you, you know, it's all much more relaxed, but to begin with, just getting some breath that pulls the the diaphragm down because as you know there's no actual breath going in the belly it goes into the lungs the lungs expand push the diaphragm down the more you can uh, expand your lungs the further the diaphragm pushes down which expands your belly and brings energy into your lower body so um so when i say breath in the belly that's what i mean right and so energetically then you have to imagine that breath enters your genitals that breath widens your pelvic floor that breath relaxes your legs that's why i had you also breathe in and out uh you know vaginally and you can do breaths where you imagine that you're breathing down the legs there's all kinds of things that you can do 
just with breath to release that contraction here and that, that tenseness and tightness. So breath is a gonna. So breath is really the easiest and first line of defense against that kind of tightness. Um, it's so simple that most people don't, you know, people come and they go, okay, well, we talked about breath, give me a practice. And I'm like, well, breathe. <laughs> no, no, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine, I'm breathing. That, like, give me a practice, I want a different practice. It's like, no, breathe, right? Because it's not enough to breathe ever so often. You have to kind of know that um, when you tend both to have a lot of pleasure or a lot of pain, you shut your breath down. Somebody said that today, right? So, so oh, I, I know when I get freaked out, I just stop breathing. Breath is, our, holding our breath is our way of not wanting to feel, mm -hmm. right? So the, the not wanting to feel shows up in the clenched breath. Like I said, some of us have traumatic experiences where that's a lot the case. But so breath is the first line of embodiment. Um, smooth, easy, full breath that doesn't go away the first time a dog barks or a siren howls or somebody looks at you funny, right? So, and even if that happens and you go, you have to just go, okay, okay, okay. Right? And, and, and work on the breath. Once and also, you know, simultaneously to breath, the next thing that um, is a non-negotiable aspect of pleasure is movement. And so movement, like I said earlier, uh, the, feminine, the feminine animal pleasure body, so to speak, the feminine needs non-linear movement. So it's not enough to go to the gym and then go to a yoga class, even though most people do that. That's more of the same. It's still good because bodily movement is always good, but it's not good um, within the pleasure principles, so to speak. Within the pleasure principles, your movement has to be that kind of a movement. Right? It has to be an undulation of your hips, an undulation of your spine, and you know, an, an ever-increasing um, knowledge of how energy runs through your thighs, how it runs through your legs, how it runs through your fingers, what you do with your fingers, what you do with your earlobes, right? I mean, it's endless. You can do endless movement for pleasure. Um, also, you know, this is, this is a slight digression, but not really. Um, the feminine is movement, right? The feminine is life force, life-giving uh, life motion, light, however you want to call it, and movement is essential for um, polarity, sexual attraction between a feminine being and a masculine being. And so movement um, kind of engenders pleasure if you know what you're doing. There's people who check out during movement. Um, and that's a discipline to develop, right? That even during movement, you don't just go in your head and away. Uh, but if you do the right kind of movement, it's very hard to check out. Right. Lots of people can check out, and I see it all the time in yoga or, um, you know, even in weightlifting. Or so people can just go, but there is movements where it's very hard to check out. You can, but 
that particular kind of movement is then also what creates strong polarity, which of course creates more pleasure and so on and so on. Now, lots of women know how to move really well, but they have no pleasure in the body. They just learn the stripper moves, right? Um, there's lots of modalities out there which are good um, because everybody needs to start somewhere where, you know, you learn how to dance or you learn how to, I don't know, pole dance or strip or, you know, there's all kinds of things. And those are good things to do when you keep your attention on your own pleasure and not just on the activity of movement which makes it masculine again. Must move this way. Must focus. Okay, I am learning this particular sequence of things. That those are once again masculine applications of something that's intensely feminine, right? Which is, there doesn't have to be any, you know, curriculum. That really doesn't. And you can just move your body. So breath and movement are the two first aspects of pleasure. Once your body has, you know, a breath and movement, you are having the thing that makes um, makes you experience pleasure, which is, I'm going to just say equal, there's a lot of other things. So breath and movement equal a relaxation of the body. So once you have breath and movement, now of course you can also do um, body work. Right? That would be also something that relaxes and opens the body. If you just do these two, you're good, right? But if you can do some body work uh, of the right kind, once again, that's the kinds of body work that triggers people and shuts them down further. You want to do things that actively open your body, bring the tension away from your head and neck, uh, release it, bring you into the lower body. So body work would be a, would be a good uh, way to go, right? Uh, for a lot of people, being in nature naturally, naturally relaxes them. Like for a lot of men and women alike, but we're talking about women's pleasure. So being in the ocean, being in the water, being like laying out, you know, in, in the grass, smelling things, you know, moving in nature. All of these things lead to relaxation of the body. There's many others, but I'll just, you know, give you a few. So once you have relaxation of the body, you then can actually focus on specific aspects of what brings pleasure. But none of those are any good till you have relaxation in the body. So, um, you know, any kind of masturbation practice, um, assisted or non-assisted, isn't really useful when you're tense. And often, as you know, uh, you know, people just need bigger and stronger vibrators because they're actually so desensitized from being so tense and then applying more pressure. And now, you know, it's the jackhammer wand. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, it has to get more and more, you know, I mean, we've seen them all, right? So you, you have to get more and more and more, you know, applying more and more and more pressure just to get something. So relaxation is your, is, is, your, is your primary goal. And so within relaxation, we talked about breath and movement, but what I want to talk about specifically in relaxation is the relaxation of your core. So your core essentially um, 
you know, I would say there's many other theories out there. I'm just I'm simplifying this so that you have something to work with. So the core would be um, the perineum and its tightness, the pelvic floor and its tightness, vaginal area, anal area, um, then the um, you know the belly, everything that happens in the belly, solar plexus, uh, the the area over the heart, your throat, your jaw, tongue, and then the area behind the the ears, uh, ears, eyes, and and yeah, also behind the ears and head, right? And so that would be your that's what I would call your core. So once the core starts relaxing through breath through movement, um, through body work relaxes the core, but you know, you kind of go from the outside in, um, through practices of being in nature art, you know, for some people singing really does it, which has breath, you know, breath and relaxation and mostly movement. So once you have relaxation and only then, then you can deal with the more internal processes of, um, pleasure. One more thing to be said about that is, um, well, let me say something else first. So I'm sure you're aware of this. And once again, these are somewhat arbitrary distinctions that are made mostly by men. (laughs) So things can be classified, right? So manly logic has it that there is clitoral orgasms. G-spot orgasms and cervical orgasms. <laughs> you can ask all kinds of questions later and then we'll actually deal with relaxation. So, of course, there's subsets, right? There's lots of women who have internal and external orgasms at the same time. There's some women who need a few clitoral orgasms to get to a G-spot. There's other women who have one clitoral orgasm. They're so dumb. You know, there's women who need a few G-spot orgasms before they get a cervical orgasm. There's women who never have G-spot orgasms, but they have cervical. There's other spots, you know, inside, um, you know, in, in, in the whole area, essentially, that can be activated. I mean, you can have all kinds of things going on. Um, I'm just talking about these three as a general estimation of what happens. So the nervous system and how it's built influences what you are capable of. This here is an external system. So the, which is how most of us start out. Yet another strange looking woman. So, you know, clitoral stimulation happens on the outside. And the way clitoral stimulation happens and how you orgasm uh, by stimulating your clit, even if you're doing it very slowly, is you have to tense your core to have a release. The reason I'm doing this is this is the exact same thing that happens in a masculine in a, in a man's body, right? So when you've ever had sex with a man or pleasured a man, right? You, somebody was talking about this. You were talking about the the face, right? So men have a tendency to go, 
<laughs> right? So, so that particular thing is because it's it's all external. It's a clench, clench, clench. The core gets clenched, but it's the it's the nervous system does a very specific thing. That's kind of a surface clench, and then there's a huge release, and then there's usually nap. Right? So, so. That particular thing applies to a clitoral orgasm. So when you watch a woman who has a clitoral orgasm, she has to tense, you know, to varying degrees. Uh, some women more than others. We just saw a whole video of uh, some uh, website in Australia where they, the whole, por it's a porn site, but it's a site that only shows people's faces as they orgasm. You only see them from here up. Uh, and they had like a whole compilation of people coming and, Everybody's like, and the site is called Beautiful Agony, and it's like, okay. <laughs> Everybody looks in agony, but that's how it goes, because clitoral stimulation requires a tensing. So women who tend towards clitoral orgasms usually have kind of a tense outer shell, you can tell. And I usually can tell when women are highly clitoral-oriented um, because of the way they move. So I can usually see, um, you know, who's kind of, who has what kind of an orgasm by the way they move their body. So women who have mostly clitoral orgasms have a very specific way of moving their whole body because their pleasure and the way nervous system is in, you know, nervous system is geared towards pleasure is very outwardly and very specific. Um, it's, it's very masculine, right? So in their motions and the way the nervous system works. So that's the, that's the clitoral um, orgasm. So now everybody needs to start somewhere, and if you don't have a lot of pleasure in your body, this is an easy access point, right? Because also it requires the least bit of relaxation. So to say to a woman who's like this and working 16 hours a day that she should have a cervical orgasm, he's probably... Right. But we all intuit that it could, which is why we all have this fantasy that some men will take us and we're splayed open into total oblivion and we have these explosive, internal, massive, earth-shattering, God-connecting orgasms because we intuit that that's possible when, our, when the cage of our nervous system is released. Right? Now, some of us in our lifetime will have that experience, some of us won't because there's not many men how, who know how to do that. It depends also on you know, how the stars are aligned and everything else. Um, there isn't many men interested in that kind of claim and it takes real mastery. And you know, if you're lucky, you have like one moment where it happens, but it might never be replicated again. Right? So it's not, it's not a given that a guy will do that to you and you will be released from the cage of your superficial clitoral stimulation, right? That's, it's not a given. If you're lucky, that might happen. You can, however, release yourself from your own cage of clitoral stimulation, but that requires something. And so one of the things it requires is this, right? Because you can't actually go deeper if your body isn't open. Um, you know, for some people, they can't even be penetrated. They're that tense. It hurts. So it requires doing things to the body that open the body. Once you have done things to your body that open the body, one of the 
um, nice things to do for yourself is really make friends with your insides and to be, you know, to begin with, with the G spot because, um, the G spot still, you know, enough connected to the clitoral area inside, you know, there's all these, you know, I, I you know, I don't want to do sex ed, but and, and anatomy, but you know, G spots, you can, you can get to it fairly easy. Um, most women store things vaginally, like a lot of tension and, and also pain. So the G-spot's not usually quite as painful as the cervical area. Cervical area, uh, if you have, you know, pent up emotions can be horrendously painful. So G-spot's not, not that painful for most people. It's easy to find. There's all kinds of good wands that um, you can use that really you know, help you find the G-spot without having to do some kind of, you know, contra con contraction and, and uh, what do you call it? Contortion. Contortion. Um, but, you know, I mean, for some people, the G-spot is so close that they can find it. Others, it's further back. So with the G-spot, um, the interesting thing is that people who are used to clitoral stimulation and clitoral orgasms usually go, Really? Right? Because it actually doesn't make you tense. So it's a, it's a very interesting feeling. Um, you know, over the years, all, the women I've worked with, they go, well, it doesn't feel like an orgasm, right? Well, no, it doesn't feel like that sneeze that you experience when you contract and release uh, clitorally. But it does, um, over time, open your body in, in literally you can feel it it kind of peels you like open right there's like layers that kind of peel open and so a g-spot orgasm usually looks like this right there is that arch that we practiced this morning in the in the breathing there's like a there's a full breath in um there there isn't there's that the opposite of tension right which to people who are used to this feels really odd once you've had a few of those, you're never going to want to go back simply because this feels like a Big Mac to a really good meal. Right? But, you know, there's, there's good uses for this. The release of headaches is one of them. <laughs> so, so, um, so this here would be the next thing to practice once your body has opened some. And... With that, you know, there's all kinds of breath practices, there's devotional practices where you're actually combining yourself with your version of God. Um, there's all kinds of things that you can do as your body opens and your heart opens. The one thing I haven't talked about, which brings us to the next thing, is the heart. Right? You actually don't need to open your heart for a clitoral orgasm. It's very much like you know, um, men can do. The men can just get off and be done with it and move on and there's that tug. Now, historically and how we are built in the nervous system, we don't open our bodies till our heart is open. So typically, and for most of women's experience, how we would want to have sex is we fell in love, our heart opened, we were receptive, and then we allowed somebody to enter us. That's no longer true. Right? For, I mean, there's lots of casual sex and all kinds of things. and you know, People are checked out for all kinds of reasons, but 
really in our essence, we want somebody to enter us whom we love. And once again, this doesn't require that because there's no actual penetration, which is why, you know, various um, forms of spiritual practice center around this because it actually doesn't require that you surrender or get penetrated or open your heart. It, it just requires tension and release. So once you go here, and most people have experienced this, um, there's like a weepiness, there's like a, a beautiful sadness kind of that happens as you, even by yourself in, in solo practice, you, you just start feeling everything and you become more and more... Right? But it's like, a, it's a good thing, but, but it's also... It, it, there's some there's emotional pain attached to it, but so starting starting with penetration, the heart actually gets involved, right? It opens up. It you know you yearn for things, which is also one of the reasons why some women don't like being penetrated, because actually you want something in someone, you know, saying something God and someone a man to penetrate you. And this is like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And you become wider and wider and wider and, and, and you know, you can take in more and more and more. And hence, it also hurts a little bit more, but it's also a lot more pleasurable. So this requires this, and, you know, in ever-increasing um, capacities. So the... Um, the, the self-pleasure practices that center around the G-spot always also center about opening and relaxing the heart. And often the movements you would be doing would be movements of devotional worship, let's, let's call them that, right? Where you're, you're dancing for, for, the, for your divine lover and you're, you're, we did this all weekend, right? Where you just like, you, you demonstrate and your worship of God, the worship of God in a man, right? Because every human is God. And, I mean, not everybody would agree with me on that, but in my estimation, it, there's, a, there's divine in every human and, and, and there's just divine in, in everything that exists. So when you open to that in your mo movements, you'll feel actually, you know, things start becoming a lot more pleasurable. And your emotions become a lot more pleasurable. And a lot of women actually have great sexual pleasure when there's movement, breath, and relaxation. So, so G-spot would be your next, um, you know, your next level of practice here. Would be to um, do the breath, the movement, whatever body work, whatever um, communing with nature. You're opening the heart. You relax. That relaxation opens you. You know, your nervous system, and you'll start uh, experiencing G-spot orgasms. Um, we can t talk about the technicalities of what that takes later. Cervical orgasm, um, I'm assuming everybody knows where their cervix is, yes? Top back. Top back, round little knob. Sometimes hurts when it get, gets, gets touched for some women. Um, your goal is the same as with the G-spot, that you don't have pain, any pain in your vaginal area. So that will mean massage, self-massage. Um, you know, there's some people, some of them are really good, some of them are uh, not so good, that do 
uh, release of the fascia that do um, internal adjustments, you know, craniosacral work, all kinds of things where you really open and release that area. Of course, if you have a partner, you can have your partner do that where you can just scream, shout, curse and moan till all your emotional baggage has left your, uh, you know, your cervical area and your vaginal area. And, but that requires some, some decent trust right, to allow somebody that deep in. So when you do self-practice uh, with the cervical area, um, the, the first thing to do is to use your fingers so that you really get to know the area and that you get to really feel where are the ten spots and how do you have to massage to release that. And there's usually a lot of emotion connected with that, you know, crying and pain and sadness and anger and you know so so th that area f from just a manual physical point needs to be relaxed massaged released now one of the things that i really love in my own practice and also in you know what we do in the women's groups is you can also really access this area and release this area through movement again. Right? And a lot of women actually have cervical orgasms while dancing um, or while swimming. I know a woman, she always gets a cervical orgasm the moment she gets in the ocean because it's not it doesn't necessarily need um, physical stimulation. I don't know what you would want to call it because it's, it's clearly not physical stimulation, but it's kind of a stimulation of the heart, so to speak. You know, if you have, it's different for different women, but for me, the, uh, the, the sensation of a cervical orgasm also always feels like somebody's opening the bottom of my heart. And so my heart gets kind of opened and the whole bottom of my heart kind of drops and widens. And so it's a, it's a kind of an, psycho-emotional, sexual orgasm, so to speak, spiritual orgasm, um, that has everything to do with how far you can receive, how much can you let in, how wide can you be, how much can you trust, how much can you release. And it's usually easier to do that. Um, you know, people, you know, this is California, so I've had several people tell me that this happens to them during ayahuasca ceremonies and things of that nature, because there's such a heart open wideness. Um, so you can, you can, you know, release the cervix through motion, through um, exploration of certain specific, the specific things you can do. Um, visualization. There's also specific things. We're not going to go in here, in there today, because that's way down the line for most people. But there's actual practices you can do with your throat, and the locks in your throat and your upper palate. So when you know how to do the locks, there's certain things you can do where you can bounce the energy down, where it actually opens your cervix, and you can have a cervical orgasm that way. So one of the reasons why you sometimes see women have orgasms, quite you know, amazing orgasms, when they um, perform oral sex, is that 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 stimulates that particular lock. And so if you can go far enough in and you don't gag and you don't hold against it, and once again, your body is relaxed, it actually flows all the way down and then opens the cervix. And this is a kind of interesting feeling. It feels like this. Like it has a pulse to it. Mm -hmm. And that pulse 
radiates out like to the furthest stars and universes and it's I mean, it's insane so no there's there's no way that you can describe it and what makes the cervical uh, orgasm also very interesting is that once you had one of those you actually don't need one for a while right you don't they, you don't need anything you don't you don't have any needs as far as your partner goes yourself sexually it's just this and for days, everything's just, just right. right. There's a, a lesser variety, but also, you know, for hours or a day with G-Spot, there's usually five, ten minutes, and you're back up and running, and you could have another one. Um, it, it's literally, it's a masculine thing, right? So um, you'll also see, you know, with the clitoral orgasm, it's in, it's a, there's very little motion other than this, and then the release, while with G-spot you'll see more motion and it's an outward motion. With cervical, it's like, you know, everything moves, internal, external. So, you know, and once again, you need the motion and the movement for the relaxation and the, the running of the, of the energy. So, uh, so that's, you know, so the way your nervous system is trained through previous sexual experiences and through the way you masturbate and through the way you exercise and through the way you breathe is, um, you know, this is directly related with this. How much pleasure do you have? And there's some people who never even have clitoral orgasms. Supposedly women who can't have orgasms, I highly doubt that, but that's just me. I mean, supposedly there is women who are just uh, biologically, you know, there's no nerve endings or so, but I don't have any studies on that. But most women at some point get at least two clitoral orgasms. But that's by no means the end. Right? So th this is kind of, and then of course, um, the thing that you hear people talk about is whole body orgasms. And whole body orgasms don't necessarily have to be cervical. Um, it's sometimes a combo of things, right? It's a total release of your nervous system because your body relaxes that much. Your heart opens, right? Some people call it, uh, what did, what did, uh, you know, what's her name call it? Um, a crygasm or something like an emotional release orgasm, right? So, so the people have all kinds of ways that they're describing um, whole body orgasms where where you just so released, everything's pleasurable. And that could be a combo of things. Certainly happens with the cervical orgasm, but it can happen other ways too, where your whole body just becomes a you know, conductor of pleasure, which is your birthright, by the way. That's what you're built for. And, uh, but you have to kind of train for that if your nervous system isn't naturally built that way anymore. Hence, you're all here, and hence, we all have women's groups, and hence, there's all kinds of, um, you know, all kinds of modalities of various ways that, that try teaching women pleasure because it's no longer natural to us. But so, you know, the, the important pieces to remember for your take-home practice is you have to relax your physical body. You have to, you don't have to do anything if you want to. You would want to relax your physical body. You would want to relax your core. You would want to work with 
um, you know, reprogramming, so to speak, your nervous system. You're using breath, you're mo using movement, you're using body work, you're using nature to, you know, to achieve relaxation, and then relaxation gives you pleasure. So that's kind of the, the cliff note version of, um, you know, my, my approach to yogic sex 101. Once that's done, you know, once, once you have this principles at least enough that your body can open at will and you feel pleasure, um, you know, you, you can generate pleasure through your movements, through dance, through the way you speak, through the way you eat, then we can actually go into the technical aspects of what locks you use for what, you know, how do you do certain things, where do you put the energy, which is, by the way, not that, it's not that important for a woman who has a man who knows how to do this. But if you don't happen to have a man who knows how to do this, it's good to know these things so that in your own devotional sexual self-practice you can play with this. and So that also throughout the day you know what you're doing. Right? Because you can, you can learn how to infuse your activities, even the most masculine ones, with these principles. Right? You can write emails and relax your lower body. It's, it, it's, it takes a lot more, and it's still, you still have the nervous system grid of doing emails, but there's things you can do. You can do things in the car while you're driving. You can, you know, you can work on this even in the most masculine moments. Once you have this down, then um, there's all kinds of actual yogic, sexual, um, I don't want to call them tricks, principles, you know, on, on what you do what and in what sequence and how and where you put your tongue and where you put your eyes. We did a little bit of that this morning, right, where the, the difference between rolling your eyes up like this and, and having your eyes like this is huge in the nervous system, huge, right? The, the, the relaxation just from that alone and so there's all these things, the way that your tongue rests, um, the way your jaw relaxes, where you, know, where you put attention on your fingers and your toes and how, how much energy you let through or not, then, then we're really cooking in, in much deeper dimensions than this. And then, of course, there comes the, um, the ability to open and surrender to penetration, either by a man or a by the god of your choice, <laughs> or gods of your choice. Right? Um, that, that's, that's then also an emotional, um, you know, a lot of this is emotional then, where, where you can't open physically till you're emotionally open. So you practice for all of these things so that your nervous system actually becomes, um, and what's kind of ridiculous about that is that, of course, this is our birthright, so our nervous system is actually built for that. And everything that, that is not that is learned behavior through trauma or through other things. And all you really have to do is relax all of this to get back to what's naturally yours, which is your ability to have pleasure. There's a lot more, of course, to it, but this is just so that you have an idea why you are reacting the way you are reacting, right? These are, these are very specific principles. And so when you come home and, you know, you're like this and 
you, you can't feel a goddamn thing, right? And, and you're eating. And when you can feel your body, you can make much better choices as to what your body needs and how to nourish it and all of that. But for many of us, that's no longer, that's no longer a given, right? So, so anyway, so these are some of the principles that you can work with. I mean, we, this is only one day. We, we, this alone should take a week, right? Just the, 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 the basics should take a week each. So, clitoral stimulation in itself makes it so it accesses a specific kind of grid in the nervous system that's a more masculine grid because it's external, right? So, um, the feminine is all internal, right? Internal emotion, internal stimulation, internal penetration. The masculine is external, right? There's stuff hanging out, right? I mean, there's, you know, which, which, when you really understand that, when you have a man's body and you don't ever get penetrated, that does something to your whole nervous system and to your psyche and everything because you don't actually know what that's like to take something in, right? Mm -hmm. So clitoral uh, stimulation in itself is masculine and programs your body to be more masculine. Um, one of the things that's interesting about uh, the G-spot is it takes a while to warm up. Right now, over time, it doesn't anymore. Um, but in the beginning, it takes a while, sometimes 20, 30 minutes, right? So, <laughs> with your wand, it's like shopping lists, you know, there's all kinds of things. So, so clitoral stimulation to warm you up and to open your body uh, into into pleasure per se, you might not want to come, you know, um, you might, but you might not because often when people have clitoral orgasms, they're done kind of, uh, and then you have to have discipline to keep on going, you know, and that kind of, and it, it, it actually, as you know, you know, clitoral stimulation, like with a penis, once you had an orgasm, you have to back off because it's too sensitive, while internally that's of course not true. So I would probably say, do clitoral stimulation, do all the things you do in a full body. I always recommend when people start on self-pleasuring practice for actual pleasure, you know, you start by massaging your body. Maybe you have body work first. You dance, you do practices. You know, you do things so that your body is already open. Now, well, we'll talk about this in a second. There's a shortcut, but uh, there's always a shortcut. But... but um, cheating but it's a good cheating right so but but so what you do is you start waking up your body if that requires um, clitoral stimulation that's fine it's just what happens with a lot of women who are really you know their nervous system is programmed for um, clitoral stimulation they have to come right it's just like they can't stop it's like you know and which is also what you know, happens in men, right? That just that there's a moment that just can't stop, and so which is then what the ladies complain about, right? Because and then if he has to stop, he has to stop all the way. He can't just slow down and, you know, like make his body like the ocean pressing into you with full consciousness. He has to go, <laughs> and you're going, yeah, right? <laughs> so, but so so if you if you can stop yourself from having a clitoral, a clitoral orgasm, it's probably easier to continue with the G-spot. But once again, these are very specific to your nervous system. Some women can have two, three, four 
clitoral orgasms, then they're ready for a G-spot orgasm. So you have to experiment with that. The goal, of course, is pleasure. But sometimes within the goal of pleasure, you have to have certain discipline in place so you don't slide into your habitual pathways of your nervous system. Right? And you'll also notice when you start getting tenser, right? then you have to kind of open your body and relax and move your body around. I always recommend that you have, a, you know, you have your non-active hand out and like really feel your heart out through your, the palm of your hand so that, you know, and then some people have wands where they can just do it with their body. You know, you just, you, you do things that open your heart, that open your body, that keep your body fluid. Um, you don't just, you know, which is that thing. And often it's also good when you set yourself up in a way that this all can stay open. But later on that's no longer necessary, but in the beginning you want to have as much openness, wideness, non-clenchedness as, as possible. And like you said, you have to build capacity because these orgasms are not, you know, they're not a sneeze. <laughs> so, I mean, I would start very carefully, right? So I, 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 I do very little pressure very little pressure. The moment you have a, <gasps> just hang out there, no pushing in, no, no, we will release this, right? It's not that kind of a thing. You just want to do the, the least amount of pressure that you can do. Don't back off, maybe move around a little bit. General sweeps of the area, relaxation of the area, bouncing and stuff like that so that that area relaxes. Definitely not an area to muscle through, apply pressure, or, you know, go beyond the pain till you come through on the other end. But, you know, once again, those are all masculine principles. Right? So you want to kind of just do as little as you, you can to get the maximum effect. Like the subtler, the better. But the problem is exactly like with good food, once you've had like really good orgasms, it's hard to go back to you know, the greasy spoon on the corner. <laughs> this is, by the way, why women don't meditate, right? Because what, what the masculine is trying to achieve with the up, 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 out, out, out is the ego death, right? While what you're describing is that, right? You have to let go of your structure and disperse into a million pieces in, and you, you, you're no longer... You know, you are no longer there. It's, and so, but it's, you know, intensely more pleasurable than meditation, right? But the same, the, same, the same kind of holds that people have in meditation, if you would talk to somebody who has a good, you know, Vajrayana meditation practice or something, they say the same things. They go, I get to a point and then I have to, I, I just, I, you know, I have to hold on to something and it's, it, I can't go any further. It's, the masculine version of that is, right out and the kind of feminine version is in and smithereens right like tiny little pieces flying everywhere and that's incredibly scary and then once again this brings us to why self-practice is actually easier to begin with because you actually only have to trust yourself right and god <laughs> while when you do this with a guy and you don't know if you can trust him to be close to you at all I experienced the same thing, right? It's like you have to have emotional and physical closeness. 
And if that's not so, because the dude's blowing out the door as fast as he can, you're never going to have that kind of orgasm again with that guy, right? Because there's no trust. So it's, it's, it's probably harder to have it with a man to begin with than by yourself. How he would breathe you, if he would know how to breathe you, mm. is that he would inhale down your front. Oh. So he would be inside of you, and he would be inhaling down your front, so you have to inhale as well. Right? And then he would exhale up his back. Then he would inhale down his front and exhale up your back, which makes you go like this, right? And then when you kind of disperse, he'll inhale down your front and you go, and you get sucked into your body, but you don't even know the hell that you're breathing, right? And then he'll shoot it up his spine and you're like, ooh, and then he breathes it down his front and, and you know, pushes into you and you kind of get filled and then he you know and so on and so on so it's a it's an it's a figure eight breath and when that happens he completely controls your breath he controls how high you go up and how far you go down then of course there's other things you can do he can breathe down a few times down your front down your front down your front so you get really engorged so to speak then breathe it up your spine so you're like oh you know there's, a, there's all kinds of things he can do if he knows what he's doing just relax, right? Just relax. He's supposed to follow your breath, right? Once he knows what he's doing, then he can do the figure eight and stuff like that. So, yeah, if you're trying to control your own breath and follow him and all of that, it becomes tedious, right, energetically. Some women don't squirt and they have massive G-spot orgasms and other women do squirt, right? So... Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of theories on it. It's like supposedly how much of the spongy tissue you have that fills itself. Some people just don't have a lot of spongy tissue. It really, you know, it really has to do with how you are built, and it's not indicative of having more pleasure or less pleasure. Because women learn through assimilation, right, and because women learn through vibrating with other women, you can actually speed up your capacity to have G-spot orgasms by watching women have G-spot orgasms. Mm -hmm. So um, it's kind of an interesting thing. Most women, if they're shown the right kind of footage, so to speak, right, like there's lots of stuff online, their body starts feeling like that and opening like that. And most women I know um, can watch, you know, a woman have a few, few G-spot orgasms and have one fairly quickly mm -hmm. after that. So if you can find good footage on the Internet, and it has to be real, as you know, a lot of the, the squirting videos are not actual squirting. Right? Mm -hmm. So um, you always can tell when it's real because it's like almost a involuntary convulsion of the whole body. And, and, and the, the woman being filmed can't, she, she can't help it, right? There's just this thing happening. Um, you know, some, many of the things you see are not actual. You know, it's, it's faked, essentially. Mm -hmm.
No. So, so if you find the right kind of thing, that actually goes a long way. Copyright 2014 by Michaela Bone. For more information, please visit www.michaelabohm.com.